we are Liverpool. And that means we have to entertain the people and we have to show all the desire, to show all the love for the game. We will all be together soon. There will be a moment for us. For now, tell the world we are Liverpool, champions of England. Hello, humans. Welcome to the M Word, the Manx Sports Podcast, brought to you by Martin. That's me. Matt. Nah. That's him. Hello, Matthew. Uh-huh. Virtually seeing each other again. Yeah, back to, well, we'll blame Liam for that, since he's virtually not flown back to the Isle of Man. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for joining. I wish I could. Yeah, thanks, yeah for, thanks for having me. Oh, no, pleasure, pleasure. I appreciate you taking a bit of time out of your day. Uh, just first of all, a quick shout out to our sponsors, billboards.am, digital advertising. Guys got, you know, I say it every week, uh, billboards in town. So get your name, get your brand out there, get in touch with the guys, go and see the guys at billboards.am. So just on the intro clip there that Liam won't have heard was uh, a clip which would really we're just indulging really because it's a clip from that was released just after Liverpool won the title. We're obviously here to talk about football mainly. We're all Liverpool fans, so we thought, screw the rest of the world, we're playing a Liverpool clip. So that was uh, you never walk alone in there as well. So well deserved. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then uh, just before we kick off as well, we've got a very quick quiz which I threw together for you, Liam. That easy. Okay. Best team in England. Liverpool. Best team in Europe. Liverpool. Best team in the world. Liverpool. Three cups to prove it. Thank you, people. Easy enough. Three out of three. So, first question. Appreciate you in the US now. But are you uh, Manx? I come over Manx. Manx, Manx or the hills? Manx as the hills. Uh, Manx is the hills. Right. Hopefully okay. that never, that'll never change. I don't think. Right. So, where were you brought up? On the island? Douglas. Um, just off Broadway there, Victoria Road. Right. Mom and Dad still live in the same house now, so. Oh, right, okay. Still the old bedroom if you need it. Yeah, yeah, still there. <laughs> so what, school, what about school and Douglas schools where you're in? I went to Balaquail first, right. um, then Murray's Road, and then Balaquail. Right, okay, okay. And first recollection of sport? Would be going to watch my dad play football when I when I was a kid. Obviously, my mum would take me in a kit, and she said I would always just come home covered in mud, and he'd still be, you know, probably at the end of his playing days, just going to watch him. Right. Was he any good, your old man? He says he was all right, so that, that doesn't fill me with confidence that he was that good. <laughs> Where did he play? As in team and position. He played for St. Mary's a lot. Um, right. I think he had a, a stint at Pulley and he had a, a year at Air United, which is a weird one. Oh, right, okay. But then he, I think he managed St. Mary's as well when he when he stopped playing, so... Oh, right, okay. Oh, I didn't know that, right. Yeah. Uh, and do you know where he played, did you say? The position yeah, was? Sorry, I think he played there, centre-back. Oh, right, I okay. think, like, like, with the cycling background, I think he just had, he was, like, fit so he could play centre-back or centre-midfield, so that was his, his, right, his okay. area. So I presume that's where you got the bug to play football. Yeah, know. I just yeah, just loved going to watch St Mary's, and I was I was still doing it for years, even after he stopped playing. I remember like Peter Language Langy would come pick me up when I was like eight or nine. I'd just go and watch it the weekend, and he'd drop me home again covered in mud. So I right, just, right. Just out there watching and playing. And then obviously joined a local club. I assume St Mary's was it you joined then? Well, when I was younger, St Mary's didn't have youth teams, so um. My dad and Mark Gellin and uh, Graham Moore started 
at Paul Rose United. So we played for Paul Rose up until I was 12, I think. Right. Then went to Corinthians for a year, then St. Mary's had teams and then went to St. Mary's after that. Oh, right. Okay. And we always de- defend, or was that just a natural position you fell into? No, I, I, I honestly didn't start playing centre-back until fully until I came to America. Um, so I, I played in, in defence for St. Mary's when I was 16, 17, when I was just breaking into the first team. When I was younger, I was centre midfield, striker or or left winger. Believe it or not, when I was younger, I was quick. Not so much anymore. So right. I like to be higher up. Right, OK. And during those years, or during those earlier years, sort of teenage years, see career of it now was that something in the mind or was it just a hobby and you were just you know busy studying and thinking about other things oh yeah when I was younger I mean I did a lot of sports but football was always like clearly the one and like I think at one stage when I was 10 or 11 I was looking to go to England on trial and nothing really ever came of it and like when we play away from the Isle of Man I'd do well and nothing had still come of it and then still I mean you still always have that but I wanted to do it then as I got to like a teenager, 14, 15, like I wasn't good enough at that stage. And then I actually went to my school college in England. I don't know if you've heard of it on a football like course okay. from 16 to 18. And that kind of reignited it. And then so, I got stuck back on the Isle of Man for two years after that and kind of fell so off the how train can, again. How come you decided to, to go for that? My school. Yeah. Um, like, Educationally, I was okay, not great. And then Lee Sun was actually doing it, and me and my mum and dad looked into it, and it was a two-year course equivalent to A-levels based on um, you were going to study sports, a BTEC national diploma, play football every day, games two or three times a week. And I just thought, you know, that's that's right what I'm into. I, you know, I want to go into sports after in some role anyway, so I, I just feel like it was a more natural path than doing A-levels. Yeah. And appreciate it, that slightly younger age, it's, it's very hard to see, I guess, maybe use the word talent. Do you, did you, looking back, did you stand out as better than other players on the island, looking at the level you've got to now? I think when I was like, I think from probably eight to 13, like definitely, like it's probably a few of us that were, you know, really talented. And then I was always a good player going into like 13 to 18, but I, I wouldn't say I, like you would have looked at me and went, oh, he's definitely going to go professional. Because when I come back from my school before I came out to America, I was in the Isleman senior team at 17, but I was like overweight. Um, I was playing for St. Mary's. We were second best team on the island, but you wouldn't have went, he's going to be professional in four or five years. There would be no way. And that, that overweight and that, is that just, just a lad at 18 loves playing football, but loved a few beers and didn't take it super seriously yeah like like I, I took it seriously in terms of like I wanted to play but I wasn't doing the things on the side to, to be serious I, like I'd come back from my school and then I was thinking about the American thing and I was just kind of 18 in a like a, a period where I didn't know what I was going to do and just yeah I was just going out once or twice a week and you know not too not too bothered yeah and what were you doing work-wise at that age not much, to be honest. I was working with my dad now and again, or lazing around waiting to go to America. So All right. that was definitely a period where it was like, you're either going to go to America and make something of it, or I don't know what you're going to do on the Isle of Man. So, so how does the America I made the right Go on, Matt. I was just saying, was that your plan there after Maisco was trying to get out to America? 
Well, initially I'd been accepted to Leeds Met University on a, a, a sports course and I was going to go. And then in the summer, like Jack McVeigh and Connor Doyle were home from America. Alex Harrison was going out the next year and um, they just spoke to me about what it was like. And I just thought, you know, that's something that I would like to do as well. So then I joined the agency. They went through and started the process. Like it's quite a long process of You've got to go to showcase games, get filmed. Coaches come and watch you. Then they promote you to teams in America. Then you've got to take an education test and stuff like that. So I started the process when I was about 18, I think. So, and then I went out at 20. So that is that those showcase, I guess you have to go to the UK, I assume, for that. And they put on events. Everyone kind of congregates in and the idea is to try and stand out. Yeah, so initially you go to one locally, which is hard being from the Alabama. I think my first one was in Sheffield. Right. And then from there, they take the top players down to London a few times on like the big showcase where they bring like 80 coaches over from America. So right. you go to a few of them, you've obviously got a better chance of going to um, like a better college, so to speak. Yeah, so th- so I was going to say those coaches that are coming over there, their college co- coaches looking to looking to recruit. Yeah, looking to, you know, because if you're bringing an international over, they require like a big or full scholarship. So they want to, the big schools want to come over and make sure they're getting it right because video is tough to judge sometimes. Yeah, okay. And the, and maybe, and I don't particularly know, uh, uh, the college side of things, what, why, why are they going overseas to recruit people? What's the benefits for them as a college? What, what's the upside for them? Well, I think that like, so the the American games obviously developing all the time. That obviously not the best nation in the world. So each team has a certain amount of scholarships that they can give out. They can go and get local players who can who are good too, or lads who are in close academies. But to win and make the difference, international players are are kind of sought after. To be honest, to be kids from Brazil, Spain, and other teams, England. So you know, it's um, it's a. I guess enticing thing for the player and the school to 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 join up. I guess. And for the school to to win, is there is there? I mean, I only compare American football where I think it's fairly money driven. Is is that similar though in football where even at college level the winning's important for, from a funding perspective? Yeah, definitely. So, like I, at first, so we can touch on this after I went to a junior college, which is a two-year school. Um, in like the lower divisions and then did well there then went to Ohio State University I'm sure you've heard of them for American football yeah. and that's obviously one of the biggest universities in America so the average home attendance for American football is 107,000 so that funds every other program right. so to speak so they run at a profit basically yeah so like like I think my college coach for soccer was on $200,000 a year and right. then performance incentives too so yeah, winning does matter in that sense because since then, like if you don't, if you're not doing well, I guess it's like a Premier League job. Like they they'll fire you and move on. It's it's not just about taking part for Ohio State. Like they want you to be, they expect you to be successful. Yeah, I think that's certainly. Uh, I suppose this side of the water, if you don't see a lot of American sports, I know that certainly again from the NFL side, the college and you mentioned their numbers of people that are watching it. Colleges. Uh, College sports, especially when you look at NFL, but I'm sure basketball, I assume, is the same, similar when yeah. they come out of the draft. It's just, it's absolutely massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. It's, you know, I was a sports industry major in college, and um, the debate in that class was always be should college athletes be paid? And 
I think now you've probably read in the news they're moving into you won't get paid as a salary, but you can get paid for your endorsements. And people are like, well, that's not fair for the guys who are lower on the squad or whatever. And well, that's business. You know, the top yeah. guy's going to get paid more than the bottom guy. So I think that's the happy medium because some of them lads could have been the best college player, going number one pick, then get an injury and they can never play again. So I think to meet in the middle is, is a good thing. Yeah, right. I did. I suppose I hadn't really given it much thought. So yeah, at college you couldn't, well, you historically couldn't get paid. It was just, just part yeah. of it. Yeah, right. Okay. There's an organization called the NCAA and they, there's so many rules and like they're worth millions, billions. They make a lot of profit off March Madness basketball, American football. And then the players were playing in front of 107,000. They're not getting paid. But now them guys can sell their shirts they'll get profit on that they can get nike endorsements stuff like that yeah right okay so when you look to players who'd who'd leave college for again i only compare because it's my only comparison i've seen and go into the nfl if they're going out of college early it's ultimately because they want to get on the i suppose to get paid ultimately yeah to get paid and it's a short career too. the nfl obviously you could you know i think the average is like three or four years yeah yeah there's so many injuries obviously there's a lot of guys we know that have lasted way longer, but it could be over in a season. So they, they want to get paid while they're, you know, while they're, they're good enough. Yeah, and they're fit and healthy. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So so you mentioned there you, you looked at the opportunity and and, and went to those uh, sort of, call them... Not Showcase tables. games, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So how, how, did you then get a phone call to say we're interested in getting you over here? How did that then pan out? Well, again, this, was, this kind of relates to the, like, lazy kind of laid back approach I was on like you have to take an exam called the SAT and it's like a five-hour exam it's English maths and you have to reach a certain score to get into the top colleges and the score is not that hard to get and I, I didn't study for it and failed it twice so even though I had some offers at division one and two level I went into junior college which is a, a two-year school in Cincinnati right um, before I could work my way up to a top college. But looking back, it was actually perfect because, like, again, unfit, overweight, like, still was a decent player. But that two years, I really got with a strength coach and put it in, lost a lot of weight, got as, as fit as I could be, and then earned that, you know, spot on a on a good university team. So I, I needed that two years, I feel like. As you say, was that, was that um, self-driven that then when you got across seeing what, everything was set up like there and thinking you need to kind of bring yourself up by your bootstrap, should we say, and get yourself sorted to meet whatever, you know, how these American guys are set up. Yeah, definitely. I, I thought like, you know, technically and stuff, the lads from the Isle of Man have always been better than they get credit for. And I'd, I'd found that when I got over there, but it was 90 degrees and I was well overweight. So I was struggling fitness wise. And I just thought, you know, if I want to do anything in this game or, you know, have a good four years of it. I need to get fit quick, and like I, I still work with the fitness coach there now. And I just got in with him, did extras, you know, did more than more than most, and um, yeah, just got had a good two years there and come out of there in, in good condition and able enabled me to keep stepping forward. So let's do some geography because I'm not. I know America fairly well, but Cincinnati. If you're looking down at a map, where's Cincinnati on the map? It's, it's like. Um, Midwest, so I'm in Tennessee now. Um, Cincinnati's like seven hours north of here, just above Louisville, okay. Kentucky, um, just below Columbus, and then Michigan's above that. So, oh, right, okay, Midwest, right, yeah. yeah. 
so yeah so so you answer, so that first transition to go into to the states because like, i assume when you came back to the island you were you living at home at this stage or did you moved out yeah no i was living at home with mum and dad um that's quite a bit to go to cincinnati on on in essence on your own yeah well i'd got, i'd gone to england at my school at 16 and you know i grew up a lot doing that 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 was tough but it's only england you know you're only a boat right away but going to america was um it was massive because i think originally obviously i didn't come home for the first four months obviously you only come home at christmas and the first month or two were tough because like i was struggling fitness wise obviously as we've touched on a lot and um the team didn't start that well and i was like oh you know like you do as a young kid this isn't for me and i was i was close to throwing in the towel but thankfully i didn't right and uh those I presume you're living on campus, I guess, start with, is it? Yeah, so the junior college is a lot smaller. We lived in apartments just across the road from, from campus, so yeah, right. basically. So then it's study, train, study, train, and you kind of then get into that mentality of that's all you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so in Cincinnati, we'd train in the morning, um, classes late morning, afternoon, then evenings to yourself to do your coursework, lectures, or like... Because I lived across the road to our fitness center was in there, so it was just another bonus of walk across the road and can do extras after you've done, you know, your studying or whatever. And was there much, uh, well, I suppose much is the, in the college, is there a, a big diversification of uh, people from different places, as in not just America, or with primarily American students and a few international ones? So Cincinnati, um, obviously a local smaller college was full of local people the only internationals would be some people on the basketball team and, and on our football team right but then when i went to ohio state that's sixty thousand students and um people from all over the world were there obviously uk and um, there's a lot of chinese students um a lot of asian students as well there's people from all over the world coming there to study in their uh, speciality subject so just a box off since night where were you playing there where did you play so I, I played mostly uh, centre midfield at Cincinnati and and I did play a bit at centre-back as well. But at that level, when I got fully fit, obviously it wasn't a great level. It was okay. I could do more in midfield, so I was more effective in there. But right. going up the levels, I definitely was more suited to playing centre-back. Yeah. So doing a bit of both. So, not that, uh, sorry, now that I'm trying to make you pick now, but which, which do you actually prefer? I feel like there's, I couldn't... Um, I mean, when I go back and play for Mifa, I've played, you know, a few times I've played midfield for them. And I do like it because you can, you do more, you get involved, but I'm, I'm much better at the back. I mean, to play midfield at a professional level, you've got to be like so good. Just to go back, actually, just to, to the Isle of Man days, did you, uh, playing for the Isle of Man, how, you know, can you recall how many caps you've got for it? If, if they call caps in the Isle of Man, I assume they are as well. I think I have five for the FA team and then I'm not sure how many I've got for the Mifa team. I think maybe around 10. So like right. I was, I was in the squad when it was probably one of the strongest squads ever with like Johnny Myers, Sean Quay and that Chris Bass were on their peak. And I'd be in the 16 man squad just to sub. Um, I wouldn't play much. I'd get on a little bit. I think, I don't even think I ever started, but it was just at 17, it was good to be in the round that we were going away a lot. Yeah. We'd won the NLS cup and, yeah, that, that squad was strong. Like the training was was brilliant as well. There was like twenty five lads down there, and the standard was really high. 
Right, right, yeah. I think uh, when we chat to Paul Jones, he mentioned some of those names you mentioned there. Uh, yeah, them boys are still going to an They're still some of the best players on the island now, and they're like 35, 36. So, testament to them of, you know, they're still still doing it. Yeah, still hope for you, Matty. <laughs> With your two left feet. Uh, yeah. So, Cincinnati and then into Ohio, how did that come about? You presume come to the, how does that transition happen? Do you come towards the end of your, the, the two years and then look at options? Do they headhunt you? How does that all work? Well, you're always thinking about it because, like, you know what's going on in, in the other schools and you're like, that university, the facilities are unbelievable or they're a top 10 team or whatever. But so in junior colleges, like, if, if you're playing two years there and you're a good player, like, you're you're more ready than a first year going into college, you know, like they call it a freshman. So we went to the national tournament twice in junior college and it's just, again, littered with coaches. And I'd, I had a good few offers to go places, but... Alex Harrison was at Ohio State as well for one year. Right. My last year at Cincinnati, he was at Ohio State. And uh, he just was telling the coaches, like, you've got to look at him. You've got to sign him. And, and they came down to watch me twice, I think. And he was in the last year of his scholarship. And they actually offered me his exact scholarship for the next two years. So okay. he played a big hand in, um, in, in getting me up to Ohio State. And do you do you know when the coaches are down, apart from having a big O on their chest or on their hats? But <laughs> do, do they sit there like that, or does it kind of be inconspicuous so it's not obvious that you know you're kind of being watched by potential coaches? Yeah. So at the national tournament, it'd just be lined with coaches from all kinds of schools wearing the gear. But some local games, you, you wouldn't know to be honest. And then your coach would maybe say on the Monday, or they came to watch you. And we had a couple of. Uh, University of Louisville and Xavier would come to training sometimes to watch as well. So you, obviously you knew then because there was no fans, but they did sneak in and out a bit of games as well, and you'd hear about it after. When you talk about a scholarship, what's what's involved in that is exactly when they, when they offer you a scholarship. What's that? Here's a place. Here's do you pick what you can study, and then you need to play the sport. How does that exactly work? Um, so at Cincinnati State, for example, like. We went in and did an associate's degree, which is a foundation degree just in like a general subject such as arts and sciences. And then Ohio State, you choose what you're going to do for your bachelor's degree, basically. Oh, right. Okay. And then your scholarship entails like, so 100% scholarship is tuition, board, food, okay. um, medical, like literally everything. I was on 90% at Ohio State, which it was basically 100%. The only difference was the guys on 100% got more money for housing, but it was still um, way more than enough. Right. Okay. So to go to Ohio State for an international student, I think it's uh, forty-five thousand dollars a year. So right. okay. a full scholarship is is that. Basically. Two years, three years. How how long's that there? Two years. I did that. Well, I did a year and a half because I left early to go to the the MLS draft. And what 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 uh, what were you studying? I had a, a major in sports industry, sports management, just like another word for that, and then a minor in leadership. So again, very sport related. Yeah, yeah, okay. And again, are they uh, in that environment? Is it very, again, not that I've even been to the uni in the UK, but there's this kind of you can do your sport but enjoy the nightlife. But in in that in sport environment, is it very focused on good habits, doing the right thing, or is there a let's say a party element to it, or is it a bit of both? Yeah, I mean, Ohio State is one of the the best party schools in in America. Oh, right. Like literally unbelievable like you can imagine sixty thousand students with how successful the football team is it's people go there just for that and 
the balance is hard. And I think that's one thing that I committed to and got right in my two years there to give me the best chance to go to the next step. Like we had nights out and house parties, like of course we did, but being able to like to be a full time student and playing full time football as well, it, it is a lot. Yeah, and then if you're going out twice a week as well, like you know, you, you're going to find it hard because if lads are doing that, then they're going to struggle. They were struggling in their studies, and then maybe they weren't giving out the best performances on the pitch. So, I I committed to, you know, I was honestly boring. Like Brittany, my wife now, I'll tell you, for two years, like I wasn't doing much. Didn't really want to do much apart from training. And like I knew I wanted to go to that MLS draft and getting getting the frame for that. So. That's yeah, what I was so focused on. Focusing and playing in front of crowds, I assume, a step up from Cincinnati to Ohio. Yeah, so Ohio State, I think we'd get a few thousand, like 3,000, but it's really hard to get people out to football, soccer games because of the support and the basketball and football. But we'd go away to some teams and they'd have massive fans like Akron, our local rivals, they'd have six or 7,000 and stuff. So right, okay. we've got a feel of playing in front of a decent crowd in college. And is there much... Uh, Again, when you think about crowd banter, certainly from what I've seen from an American side, it's very different from a UK side of things. Yeah, it's different. It's probably it's very American. Yeah, it's better. It's it's almost just like laughable. Like when I was in college, you'd have stuff like they'd be chanting stuff to you about the Queen. And I was like, yeah, I'm not even from England. You know? yeah. I wouldn't say it, but that wouldn't bother me. But yeah, in England, obviously, the, the lads get absolutely hammered. But over here, it's more just like cheesy yeah. chance and, and they're still kind of learning the the football environment i guess yeah well maybe stick with that i don't know I, Matt and i again have been to a few nfl and i've been to nfl in america and uh, even the rivalry where the fans are mixed together again, yeah when something in the thinking about that in the uk is uh is unthinkable really mixing fans together yeah. I, I always say the american sports like if you go to a baseball game it's it's more like an occasion like a day out yeah. You know, the games are longer, there's beers, hot dogs. It's, you know, if their team loses, I don't know how disappointed they are. Like, if you go to Anfield and Liverpool lose, you're devastated on, yeah. on the way home. Everyone's furious. So, I think that's the difference as well. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine telling me he went to a game in the States, a baseball game you mentioned there, and the game was sponsored by Bank of America. And on the way in, they were given a, all given baseball bats with Bank of America on it and then put in the ground. All the fans were mixed together. Beer was cheap as hell. And it was just everyone getting hammered and you think, right, load of beer, fans mixed together and free baseball bats for everyone. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. Yeah, imagine that down, uh, down Anfield Road or, you know, all You can't even have your, your bottle and uh, the cap on the beer at no. the Premier League game, can you? So. Yeah, no, yeah. So, no, I think Americans might have it right, in fairness. Yeah. So, so the, the you mentioned there about the focus on getting into the draft. Yeah. Again, maybe describe for people again. Matty and I are semi-familiar with the NFL draft and how that works, but how does that whole process work? So, like every year, like just to, to lead into it, like in in um, America's that big division. What Ohio State's Division One, so that's the best like um, division in the country. But there's 206 Division One football teams. So you're thinking, well, how how can you play? It's it's a it's a weird format. So each conference is is different for example so in football like you have the big 10 the sec you know they're the big ones and fortunately ohio state we were in the big 10 so you're with like some of the best ranked teams in the country so it goes from one to 206 and then you'd play your group games 10 
your conference and then you played eight or nine out of conference games and the best 64 teams would go to the national tournament. So okay. being there enabled me to be playing against the best teams as well, against the best players to get, you know, that all helped to go into the next level. So like at the, at the end of the year, there'd be team of the year for your conference, national team of the year. And, and in America, you'll probably know this, like stats themselves, like they're obsessed with stats. So every week you're trying to make team of the week, team of the year, and that all leads into going into the, the MLS draft. And like we were talking about before of the college, like some of our big college games were littered with MLS coaches, like on everywhere in the crowd as well, like two or three from each club. And like, you felt like every game you were going out, you had to you had to play well because there's someone watching you for the next level. Right, and that draft process that then is you put do you put yourself forward and go I want to go in the draft again. I need from my limited experience of the the NFL, you put your name forward basically to go in the draft. Well, everyone's available. So the seniors who are done with college are obviously they're all available for the draft, whether you get picked or not as a as a yeah, different yeah. thing or whether you want to, but you're available. The young lads who get offered to go early, they're contacted directly, basically, because they'll be on a guaranteed deal going into the draft, or they'll just go anyway because they're taking them out of college young, so they think they're going to be you know, the next big prospect. So nope. what happens... Go on, sorry. No, please go on. What happens at the end of the college year is they invite the best 64 players to the MLS combine that they think throughout the whole college system in the U.S., so every division, so there's division one, two, three, there's junior college division one and two, then there's NAIA. So there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of players that are available, but being in division one, obviously they're looking more there because yeah, yeah. that's that's usually where the talent is. Yeah. So you get, I think you need three votes to get in. So three teams need to recommend you to go to the draft. Obviously some players will probably get 30 votes. Some players might get two and never know. Um, so yeah, just you get an email in December saying you're invited to the MLS draft, and then you get a call off the MLS. They arrange your flight over there. Um, mm. Spent a week down in in Florida at like a training camp and draft um, training situation. Yeah, so then again, they're bringing you in there. <clears throat> so everyone who's got the had three votes or more go, goes down to Florida, assuming they want to obviously be drafted. You you yeah. doing skills, doing training, doing exhibition stuff again to to show the, the coaches, I guess, are all basically like a meat factory you, you lined up yeah. at what's on show. Yeah, it was like a, six days I was down there for total in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and you do fitness testing, like speed, agility, stuff like that. Again, very American. And yeah. you'd be split into teams and you'd play three days in a row, 11 v 11. Right. So it's sponsored by Adidas, obviously. So there's Team Ace, Team X and something else. And you just play and um, they'd evaluate you on playing. But the tough thing about that is like being a defender, you're playing with lads you've never played with before. There's no relationships. It it definitely favours the attackers because you imagine a, a De Bruyne going out there or something, you know, just playing a, a free game. Like he's going to dominate because he's just, a, he's going to get on the ball and just do his thing. Whereas it was tough as defenders and because again, no relationships and you just kind of stuck together with lads you don't know. Yeah, right. So that is literally, they just, I mean, they picked a team of 11. How, how is that picked? Is it just someone from the MSL draft within that organization going, right, you 11 here, you 11 here? So right. what they do is they, they get um, college top college coaches. So you'll have two coaches each team. Right. They'll obviously pick each team position specific, so it makes sense. So our squad had 14 or 15, and in three games in three days, obviously, 
you can't play all the games. So yeah. the college coaches would give everyone a fair amount of time in their position, keep rotating you. Um, yeah, they just set you up as best as they could yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to perform, basically. How did you how did you find those games? Because were they against people you'd you know previously been playing against, or was it people you didn't really know? Like, was there you know it was a real high standard in that? Yeah, so I, I knew a lot of the lads either through playing against them or just from seeing them do well at top team. So, um, like we had some some relationship. Like I had lads on the team who I'd played against. No one was there from my college either, so that was a bit tough. But you get to know other lads as well. And then, yeah, you just basically playing 11 v 11. And then by day two and day three, you've, you've got into it and, you know, yeah. you know each other a lot better. You stay in hotels, I assume. Yeah, you stay in a hotel. I shared with a, an English lad who was at Clemson University, Paul Klaus. He, we actually both got drafted to D.C. Oh, right. Okay. At, at the same time, yeah. So. so part of that as well, do they interview you? The college? Yeah, you get, you get it. The, the teams, the MLS teams are interested in you. The, you'll get a text message saying, um, or they'll leave a voicemail on your room phone saying, "Hey, it's I had like I think five or six interviews, and it's one of them was Ziggy Smith from Seattle Sounders. Can you come at four o'clock for an interview at this place? It's yeah. crazy. It, it, it's looking back, it's a it's a very stressful process because you're putting so much pressure on yourself, and unless you actually go top ten, it's just you're going to an MLS team for it. It's basically a glorified trial. Right. Because there's no yeah. guarantee you'll make it. Like obviously I didn't I didn't get signed by DC, so you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself for the draft and then the training camp to come out of it and with nothing basically. Right. And did you do you get for that interview process, is do you get any help from anyone else? You know, from your college, do they help you go, look, this is the type of thing they're looking for, this is how you need to, you know, do they help prep you? The college doesn't really. That's one thing that kind of frustrated me about the college. Like you'd, you'd done so well for them in two years. We'd won the league and everything. And you kind of just, like now I do have a good relationship with him. But throughout that period, it was like, right, he's gone now. He's all right. He's on his own. But obviously, I had an agent. Right. They're down there. My agent was down there too. So they've experienced it with other players. And they're definitely a good help to advise you on what to say and what not to say. I remember getting interviewed by Colorado Rapids and they were like, right, first game of the season, we have LA Galaxy, Mark and Robbie Keane, what, what are you going to do? And I was just thinking like, it's, it's kind of, it's a stupid question really to ask a, a young lad, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff they're asking. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, that's it. That, they were the kind of questions you were getting asked and then they, they obviously wanted to know a bit about you and your background and experience, but there, there was some daft questions in there. Yeah, I, again, I, I've heard of stories in the NFL again where, again, the questions they ask the guys vary from, you know, they might be, I guess, tactical questions to just really random things to, sit, I guess, to try and not catch them out, but see what, you know, in unusual situations, what their reaction is. Cause, yeah, what you're made of so a little bit. Yeah, characteristics, yeah, yeah, and your temperament, et cetera, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think the whole draft thing as well, like now I have a green card and obviously I'm married in the U.S., so each team has seven international spots. Right. And I was an international going through that process. So if you think about Zlatan, Robbie Keane, Gerard are getting brought to the MLS, like to take in um, a college kid on an international spot is to get yeah. fully signed. It's tough, you know, because they're there for the big European players, really. Yeah, well, you're fighting, you know, there's X amount of slots overall to be taken. You're actually only just, you're fighting for... Yeah. 
what you seven, know, yeah, one of seven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that that was tough too because when the draft did come, like in the Big Ten, I'd won uh, Defender of the Year, and then there was lads in my league who'd went like way before me, and I was thinking like, you know, what? How's this going on? Like he's going to New York Red Bulls, pick number twenty, and I didn't go to like pick number sixty. Yeah, and obviously looking back, it that all plays into it as well. Like it, it would be nice to go back through it, you know, in hindsight with a green card and not being at national just to see. But I mean, is what it is. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so then, so is that again? You going back to NFL, but normally, the, well, certainly the first couple of rounds is that all done in one day? The rounds, how is that done in 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 the football side? Yeah, so the first two rounds are, are live on TV, like the top. 20 players kind of have, well, the top 10 players kind of know already. They yeah. go up and, and you go up on a stage with a suit on, with a flag and do an interview and all that. And it, it's very American again, because like I was this close, like so close to going, like I was told to go and you're going to go in the first two rounds. Like I'd done really well at the combine. I'd scored two goals actually on the second day. I scored a header and a free kick. So, I'm convinced I'm definitely going and thank God I didn't go because I didn't get picked until the fourth round so I'd have been sat there like a lemon yeah no and I, again I see that with the American football I sat there and it's kind of it sometimes does feel a little bit awkward people sat around kind of like like the Oscars when they zoom in on the person that's not won it yeah yeah so, definitely it's it's a stressful experience yeah especially Ben you know typically you know it's not like you know it's typically younger people as well isn't it so did you just get a call in the end? How did you, when did you find out you were drafted? How did that come about? Yeah, so the, the next two rounds go on like the internet and basically like I was watching it, but it's a bit the feed was a bit slow and then my Twitter just started blowing up like DC had announced it, then the general manager called me and oh, yeah, right. that's how, how I found out. Right. It's always uh, again from the UK side, it's it's a it's a weird process, isn't it? Because you perhaps set up a well you like this college place you're living in and you know you're perhaps even settled if you've got a partner and suddenly you you have to go off way around the you know it could be three thousand miles away having to move yeah so obviously then from there i was still at ohio state like had an apartment on campus and then it's a decision do i leave college early and go and pursue pursue this or do i just stay in college and then may, maybe wait and try and go after so i obviously did leave early and i went i was in camp with dc for like three weeks and then at the end, he was like, you know, you've done pretty well. You're not going to start here, though. You might not even be in the 18-man squad, so we're not going to sign you on a, an international spot. So right. from there, from there, it got really stressful for like a month because like my student visa was up. I'd left college, so that was obviously inactive now. So I actually had to leave the country, come back in on a, uh, a travel visa and go and, um, for trials with clubs in the league below. Oh right, okay. So, so there. So and um, what about obviously you mentioned your partner's there, Brittany's American. She stay and you have to just leave and come back. Yeah, so she was obviously living in Cincinnati anyway, and I was in Columbus, which only an hour and a half apart. Right. So she obviously stayed in Cincinnati while I was going around the country on trials and then my first year pro, we still didn't live together. She would come and visit. I would go back to Cincinnati when, whenever I could. And then she moved to Kansas in the, the next year with me when I signed in Kansas. Right. So then let's talk a little bit about those, tr- about those tr- trials. There, uh, was that, that your agent getting you to getting into those places? How did that work? Yeah, so basically when, when you don't get um, 
signed the agents on the phone, you know, trying to get other offers, see what's available. But you've got to think then it's like mid-February and the teams in the league below are getting full as well. Like there's limited international spots. So like looking back, being an international and not knowing that I wasn't going to go first round, I would probably have signed in the league below early to get secured, um, you know, uh, maybe a, a stronger club and then work my way up from there. But obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing. So yeah, I went to Pittsburgh on trial. I, I, I was him and Horan. I actually, I got offered to sign there. The coach was a nightmare though. He's still in the league now, like so old school. It just, it wasn't going to work. And then my agent had said this team, Harrisburg and Pennsylvania down the road, they, they want you to come in. And I just thought I'm going like, I'm going to go down there. See if I'm, if I don't, I'll go back to college and, 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 go again I don't know the next year and I played one game against Philadelphia and uh, they offered me a contract after after the right. game okay. so that's the, the again for, and I'm not that familiar with the US so there's MLS, MLS and then the, it's the USL it's yeah. MLS. what's called ULS is it have I yeah. made U, USL oh UFL, yeah so half made okay yeah, yeah. Uh, okay where did you play for them I've, since since I turned professional, centre back ninety nine percent of the time, yeah. So. so so at that stage, did they obviously haven't played midfield? Did they was that a conversation you had with the manager of you know I might be more comfortable here, or did they just feel your skills suited better there? No, so my two years at Ohio State, I only played centre back oh, as well. Right, in, in Cincinnati, yeah. So that's kind of all all everyone knew anyway, and right. kind of happy about that. I wouldn't wouldn't want to be going on trial in midfield. More <laughs> <laughs> so comfortable at the back. And that, uh, when you look at that level of the players around you at that stage, so that was what three or four years ago, I guess. Uh, you know, what, what was your views on the level? I presume you obviously never felt out your comfort zone, <clears throat> or you know, generally you felt comfortable in that zone. But well, in in MLS, I like I still think it now. Like the top five or six players on each USL team could be on an MLS squad, whether you play or not, is a you know a different conversation, but. What tends to happen in MLS is that there's a lot of lads who have been there when the league was older and maybe not as strong, and they kind of just stay stay in the MLS, and you know they just they move from team to team, and they'll be a reserve player. So, I I, I did think that even at DC, I I could have I could have been on the squad, could have got signed, but I, I probably wouldn't have played. And being an international obviously didn't make sense. So, the USL was obviously a drop down from that, but. It was again probably something I needed to get games as a pro. So you, yeah. then you're looking at, you know, do you go to a Liverpool in the Premier League and never play, or do you go to I don't know Derby County in the Championship and play? I played my first year, played 34 games or something. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's getting the, and, yeah, uh, getting game time, isn't it? That's you know that's ultimately what they talk about, don't they? And ultimately, it's a football you want to play, don't you? Yeah, I want to play, and like you always, no matter where you are, you're an element of you is always happy when you're playing. Um, yeah. You know that that's what you want to do. Yeah, It'd be right. nice to be on an MLS squad, but not playing every week. I mean, it would be tough. And that you mentioned about doing a, one of your courses on leadership, and is that something you very much try and apply when you're on the pitch? Again, often you see a centre back as as a you know as off, not often, but fairly often the captain as well because they can see what's going on in the game. Is that I don't again I don't know sure through the other which will come on to the other places you play, but have you certainly the leadership side? Is that something you've taken on? Yeah, so like recently, definitely, like when I was a, a younger pro, like my first or second year, I'd probably just be playing for me and yeah, yeah, of course. trying to get my next move, you know. But I mean, as you said, part of being a centre-back, you got to be vocal and lead anyway, naturally. But 
I think now I'm moving into that role more. I've, I was vice captain at Nashville last year and right. at Memphis. I'm in, in the leadership group and stuff. So, I mean, hopefully one day soon I'll, I'll captain a club. That's definitely something I'm, I'm aiming to do. Yeah, okay. And for you, again, I guess captains are many different from the from the you know the Wayne Rooney who does it one way to the to the to other captains that do it other ways. What what yeah. yours? How do you you lead by you know voice by actions? Bit of both. What's your style? Yeah, I'd say yeah, I'd say a bit of both. Like I'm 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 a, I moan a lot. I'm anyone <laughs> I tell you I played with that. I'm a moaner, but. Not like overly vocal, probably vocal enough, but yeah, just try and like work hard, um, just lead by example. But you no, know, you look at like I think think Stephen Gerrard, John John Terry was more of like body on the line leader. Gerrard just played and led by example by winning games on his own. So yeah, I think I think as a centre back, as I said, I'm vocal a bit, and I think as a leader as well, just trying to be there for everyone in the dressing room. Like I played for captains that are kind of non-existent, and I think. You know, just being available is is a big thing. Just even to chat to the younger lads, give them advice. Um, you know, always feel like you're approachable as well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be a leader that everyone just thought, or oh, he he just wears the armband. Yeah, yeah. No, is it? I think it's it's the same in so is any walk of life, isn't it? But yeah, you you always want to, especially youngsters, and especially if you've been through an experience where if you're younger and you sometimes need a you know a, an arm around yeah. your shoulder for someone to go, no, you're doing all right, lad, or whatever, or you know, just yeah. advice on where to position yourself and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can everyone can think about when they were young in any sport, and you know, you people influence you or shape the way you go in the sport. I can I remember even on the Isle of Man, there's a, a Sam Kenny. He's not alive now, but he would just say little things like a great football man. They still stick with you to this day. So I think like any little advice is can go a long way. Like you never know how someone will take it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So, so moving on from uh, apologies, my pronunciation isn't right. Harrisbury, uh, Harrisburg, Harrisburg, Harrisburg. Sorry, so I told you it wasn't. Uh, you moved on to where? I moved on to Kansas City. So they had an MLS team and a a USL team. So the aim of their club is they build players up from the academy, yeah, okay. put them into their USL team, and then hopefully promote them to the first team. So. They actually, I had another year left on my Harrisburg contract, and they came in and bought me to to go over and sign in Kansas. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and so that, I mean, when when do they have like a fixed transfer deadline, or can you just switch any time throughout the season? So MLS does it follows similar to European one. There's windows, but the USL is kind of just like an open market. You can go come and go at any time. But the move was at the end of the season, and it was in the off season. So. I mean, what's that phone call from the agent saying? So, so and so want to sign you. Do you want to do you want to chat to them? Yeah. Well, it, this is a weird one. There. One day I was driving home from training towards the end of the year. Michael getting in a bit of trouble for this. Like, you probably never hear it anyway. But he'd left a voice message on my um, on my phone, which is illegal. Right. <laughs> hey, it's such and such, Kansas City. Can you give me a call whenever? And then you're automatically thinking, you know, what's going on here? Uh, you know, must be something and called them back. And we'd, we'd had initial chats that they'd watched me, scouted me for a while. They thought I'd fit their system. I was 23. They thought there was a path for me into the first team. I was like in the profile of their club, basically. Right. Would I be interested? And like, it's one of the best clubs in America. Like, I was like, of course I would. And then my agent gets involved and, and works out works out the deal with the clubs and stuff. Yeah, right. And Why that- is that? 
I don't want to dwell on that part too much. Why is that not allowed? Is he not? They, they have to go through agent or the school, uh, the club, sorry, rather than you direct. Yeah, because I was under a guaranteed contract, so they'd have to approach the club first um, rather than me directly because it's like tapping up or tampering yeah. or whatever you want to call it. But okay. Yeah, it's just like a sound. It'd be more of a big deal in, in a European leagues or whatever. But. Yeah. The, uh, and then that, that again, that move, because Kansas is further across, isn't it, in the middle? Yeah, it's like middle, of the band, middle of the country, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So was that then a, a family decision of we need to, it's time to move up, up to there? Yeah, it was just, well, I think wherever I was, midway through that next year, Brittany was finishing her college degree as well so she in Cincinnati, so she wouldn't have been able to move at the time anyway. All right. So it was a case of like wherever I would have been at that time and she, she was going to come anyway. And right. like This is kind of my second bite of the cherry at MLS as well. It was almost like I have to take this move and um, you know give the MLS another go. And plus, Kansas had come second in the USL the year before. They'd it split into East and West. They'd won the West, went to the overall final, lost in the final. So, in terms of level of the team, it was a step up, step yeah. up as well. Top, yeah, top, yeah, top of that, top of that league, basically. The, yeah. Uh, and again, I always wonder when you decisions like that, where you go to move to another part of the country, do you think about or is a process where you go and see the area, or is it more a football decision and you deal with? You know, if the place is a shithole, <laughs> the place is a shithole. Yeah, well, at, at the beginning, uh, they wanted to invite me in at the end of the season to train with the first team to evaluate me more. And then uh, we were talking about go, and then it was like, no, um, we're just going to sign you. We're going to pay for you and sign you. So I was like, okay. And then you do a bit of your own research. Yeah, you ask people you know. I mean, Kansas is a very nice city in terms of like this, the downtown city area is lovely. Then there's a plaza area, but the negative to Candace is it's small and nothing else is really close, so you're kind of trapped there. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. But again, for playing football and doing what you need to do, it's perfectly fine. Yeah, again, in some ways, that's not a bad thing. You can just go and focus yeah. on football, can't you? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So how did time go? Yeah. How, was the, how was the experience? Hit and miss, to be fair. Like, at, at times, I was, like, first choice, um, flying, training with the first team a lot. Other times, I was dropped. Struggling with the manager, um, didn't want to be there. The, the tough thing was, uh, they call it MLS two teams. If lads on the first team need a game or come back from injury, they can drop down. So yeah. I could play three games in a row as well as I wanted. If a centre-back on the first team needed a game, I'd be on the bench. Yeah, right. I, str- I struggled to deal with that because I was thinking, you brought me here to see if I can prove to go you know, to the yeah. first team. Yeah, yeah. You bring yeah. them down for minutes, and and I get why they do it. You know, the first team's a priority, but like I did struggle with that at times, and um, like I st- I still had a good shot at. It. I played enough games, I trained with the first team enough times, and yeah, I, I didn't didn't do well enough, didn't make it to go to the MLS. Right, and that that the manager, the the relationship with the manager is that, uh, and not particularly the Kansas City one in general, is that you know. I guess for any footballer, that's so important because, again, being a Liverpool fan, you see, you see, and like any football fan, you see players coming in and they they don't get either fit what the manager's looking to do or fit the system the manager's looking to do. You can have the best player in the world, but if he doesn't fit in the system and the manager's mind, it just doesn't work. Yeah, one one thing I felt for the manager on our team as well because his boss is the first team boss, so his hands are tied as well. 
you know, like sometimes he might want to play you soft and the first team has come down and they were the worst players on the team because he just weren't that interested. Yeah, right. But they'd have to, he'd have to play them. But the problem I had with our manager is, is like he was Portuguese, Serbian, like unbelievable football man, like tactically the best I've ever had, training sessions the best I've ever had, but very cold character. Right. Like he could love you one day and the next day he could leave you out and like not talk to you yeah, right. or... He just, he just wasn't a people person. Like, the only thing he had in his life was football. Like, no family in the U.S., no kids, no girlfriend. Yeah, right. So, he was just, like, tunnel vision, I think. He, he was hard to, hard to get on with. How's that been years? Uh, the, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, Tactical-wise, there, you talked about tactics. What, you know, what would differentiate him from another, another manager when you talk about tactics? How are they... You know, for a layman that doesn't quite kind of see. Yeah, well, I think the the philosophy of Kansas as club is possession based, like wide, expansive four three three, um, fit, athletic forwards, put technical players in the deeper positions, moving the ball. So to be recruited there, you have to kind of fit that profile anyway. Yeah. So like every day, like to play in a system like that is enjoyable. Like we would dominate possession every game. We'd lose some games on counter attack, but. There's some games that I'd be having like 120 passes in the game, which is a lot of passes for yeah, yeah, yeah. for any defender. And it was just a great system to play. And I just he'd come from Benfica B manager, so obviously Benfica Portugal's a, a big club, like another good philosophy. So like tactically and his sessions and his football mind, he was like he was brilliant. Like you could learn a lot off him. That must be exciting again when they're looking to recruit you and you know that's their philosophy, irrespective. However, you felt it worked out to 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 get that opportunity to go to to that type of. So I guess yeah, definitely. You probably like, to play in that type of system. Yeah, I was happy I went there too because, as I said, like there's some. I was still uh, 23, 24, so I was still still relatively young. And some mornings it'd be like, you're in with the first team today, but then in the afternoon I still need to train with my team because to get ready for the tactics for the weekend. So. I was in with the first team a lot because they always needed an extra defender and I definitely brought my game on a lot there because they were the, the one of the three best teams in the in the MLS as well, Kansas City, right. full of American internationals, internationals from other clubs. So training with them, the level was really, really high. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And just to go back to the point earlier about seven internationals uh, only allowed in, I assume that's just the Americans obviously trying to bring their own footballers soon. They don't want to swamp the market with overseas players. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. They obviously the national team's not the greatest in the world, and to create players, they need to be playing. So, obviously, I'd got married by this point, so I had a green card. So doors started to open up for me again. Like when I went to Kansas, it was like you know one of the questions in the negotiation was like Liam has his green card, doesn't he? Yeah, so yeah. way easier to to get you know options you're, just you're start out of bracket the moment you get that. Green. Yeah, yeah, just a domestic player now, so. All right, okay. Thanks, Brittany, for that. <laughs> uh, and then what, what happened to, to sort of move on from Kansas? How did that end and where did it go to next? So it's basically like, you know, you're there to make the first team. And we actually won the league in Kansas again. We, we won the West. We went all the way to the final, lost again in the final. Um, so our players were sought after and it was like, is he going to the first team? No, well, there's no point in staying there then. Just... Because you know, yeah. again, you could get into that situation where you're playing some weeks and then the first team takes your spot. Yeah. And now they've actually gone very young. So they're, they're more academy and like the team's young, younger yeah. than it's ever been. 
So my the technical director who brought me to Kansas then went to Nashville to start a new franchise. Um, and again, he, he wanted me to go there, so he brought then brought me to Nashville. Right, okay. So I signed a two-year contract in Nashville, and um, yeah, then we moved from Kansas to Nashville, but like living in Nashville, like one of the best cities in America, I don't know if you've ever been, but no. like to live there was like, oh, you know, when, when you heard about that team was coming, it'd be like, oh, I'm definitely interested in that yeah. team because one of the best cities around. And when they're obviously creating new teams, how, how do they just, how do they get, I suppose, for on about word, a spot in the league? How does that, how would that? So it's, it's a franchise fee. Okay. So basically Nashville is set up as a franchise and they'll pay to join the league. Right. But they'd already put in an MLS bid as well. So they want to start an all league for two years and then move to the MLS. So again, they paid a franchise fee for ours. And then the MLS one, they're actually in their first year in the MLS now. Oh, right. Okay. Right. So it, no, no promotion relegation. It's all, all franchises. But I think our league, because we have a league under us now, is going to get into promotion relegation one day. One day soon, hopefully. Right. Okay. So was your thought when you went, again went to Nashville, they've got this project of start, starting with, I suppose, in, the, 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 in, that, in, the, in the league one, as I would call it. It's not the right term that here's the opportunity when they go for the MLS franchise that potentially further down the road, that opportunity to step up again. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. That's, that's the sell. And again, that, that was my third bite at going to MLS and uh, kind of towards the end of that. And now it's like, it, you know, as a young player, you're always aiming to go to the MLS, but now I'm, I'm kind of happy and I'm happy in this league. This league's growing all the time. It's a, it's a decent level. It's yeah. uh there's more money coming into it every year. So I think the MLS thing, like one day if it happened, it happened, but it's kind of the back of my mind now. You know, it's right. It is it, what it is. Four years, did it? If you don't mind me asking, was it? Did it? Did it? Obviously, you're chasing that, let's call it that, that ambition. Is there a point where you just kind of accept it's not likely and just, I'll just play football, I enjoy playing football. If it happens, great. It does. Yeah. If it doesn't. That's kind of where I'm at now. So obviously the first year in Nashville was probably my best ever season as a pro. And, and like, again, hindsight's a wonderful thing. If they would have went in January last year, I think I'd have went right. just just based on that, that year I had. And then football, football, sport, sport. I didn't quite have the second. Same year, things happened. A lot of new players came in. Things were a bit different. And ultimately, I didn't play as well either. And it, it didn't happen. But yeah, right. I think, yeah. Looking back, I think after that first year, I think I would have, I would have went at that opportunity. And then yourself, in regard to, you know, looking at as you're getting older, as we all are, are you getting better at looking after yourself, training better? Do you, you know, again, I always think wisdom comes with age. Uh, is that something you continue to try and improve? Yeah, definitely. I think I can tell every year that I'm I've got better. Like I'm 28 now, so just coming into my prime, I'd say as a footballer. Like for for the past starting college to now, I've been like rarely drink, try and eat healthy, train hard. So touch wood, I've never never had an injury as a pro. Don't want to jinx that, but I think that goes a long way as well. You know, being consistent and available. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, with games, you improve as well. Like you can train all you want. I'm sure, same in other sports like cycling, like racing, you improve. You know, getting them experiences. So, I think I've been lucky in that sense that um, being healthy and available has been been a big factor. Yeah, I was going to ask that question about injury because that's uh, certainly again as a 28 year old, not to have had any major injuries is uh, 
Yeah, I, I dislocated my shoulder in college, but um, like you can be back from that. I don't. My shoulder is not fully the same, but shoulder and football, like four weeks out, I was all right. So nothing that's kept me out or or hampered me anyway. Yeah, and training wise, I mean, during the season, is training intense, or is training a lot more about just maintaining a, a fitness and a strength and doing tactical stuff and pre Yeah, definitely. When you get into the meat of the season, especially in like Tennessee or even anywhere in the US, it's so hot that you kind of, you're just focusing on the game. You're getting, getting enough in, in the week to be prepared for the game. Like you do all your bulk work in preseason, maybe one, one hard day a week. But like in Nashville, I played 37, 38 games. So I was basically playing, recovering, going again the next game. Yeah, yeah. Again, we go back to Liverpool, but that you talk about that in the height of this. And I guess it's with any any club when and well, any club where they're playing regularly, we you know, certainly two games a week that in between that the training is more just about a bit of stretching, a bit of jogging and a bit of Yeah. yeah. Gym work and yeah. I actually swim. I try and swim a lot. I can't at the minute because pools are closed, but just twice a week swim, just something like thirty lengths, just to stay loose and just stay away from like more upper body weight, just more natural, natural fitness. So, so yeah. loosens you off as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, cool. I was just going to do the next thing there. So obviously you've had your time at Nashville. How, how did Memphis come about? So again, in Nashville, like it was, it was weird with the coach in Nashville. Like last year I, I started the season flying. I was vice captain. The captain was injured for three games. So I captained the team. And then, our squad was massive because we were preparing for MLS. So the, basically all the best players in the league, or mo- a lot of them were in Nashville. So there was a lot of rotation and, and I, I didn't really deal with it well. It didn't suit me to be in and out of the team again, like Kansas. I'd already experienced that and I lost form as well. So again, I was in and out and then was, I knew then I wasn't going MLS and Memphis came in and inquired about me and offered me a, a three-year deal, like the best deal I'd, I've ever been offered security for the family and I just it was too hard not to take at the time mm-hmm. so not that not that you can might want to stay but do you get those sort of calls often then out of the blue where someone someone's seen you at a game calls and just says by the way we're interested and throughout your time I understand that you obviously didn't take them because you were you know you had your current goals or things like that but do those sort of opportunities present themselves quite often then through, or even for yourself or other teammates here and all, you know, I just, whether they can say, oh, I just had a call from so-and-so about potentially moving or, you know, does, does that go on a lot? Yeah, it does definitely. I mean, there's a lot of stuff goes on that shouldn't in terms of talking, but every player's got an agent as well. So, in oh, yeah, Nashville, sorry, I was, like, yeah, I wasn't trying to, again, hound on the thing, naughty people, but I just meant as in general coming through agents and people, people moving. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Like, so, like, for example, the, the situation in Nashville, I'd be like to my agent, like, I'm not going MLS here. I'm not playing every week now. You know, is there anything out there available? And he would say to clubs, like, Liam's available. And then all of a sudden, Nashville would say, also say he can speak to clubs or he can't. But that doesn't always happen either. But, yeah, then, then your agent would start get, putting the feelers out, I guess, and just seeing um, what's out there. The, uh, again, my geography, Nashville to Memphis, they're not a million miles away, are they? Yeah, three hours south of Nashville, Memphis is. So then again, that's a, a family move. 
Brittany, just accept yeah. the fact that's part of life, I guess, moving yeah, on. Yeah, well, th- this one was harder than ever because, like, Nashville, she loved Nashville as well. She had, like, a great job there. She was just nannying for for a nice family, two kids. Um, she was happy, settled. And um, so when we came to Memphis, we actually bought a house. And then, obviously, we've had a child ourselves now as well. But it's been kind of a weird year because we've not really – we've experienced Memphis, but it's been a boring year because you can't really do much because everything's locked down, you know, so. yeah. I think wherever we were now, it would be a tough year anyway because everything's so limited. Yeah, yeah. And season's due to start in a few weeks. A week today off first famous, yeah. Yeah, appreciating this might be out in a week and a half and you might have been kicked off already. Oh, yeah. How is training and quote-unquote pre-season? So originally, like it came, we came back in stages. So we'd do individual training on the pitch, like in groups of 10, or in your own section. Then we're going to still in your group of 10 but you can pass together you can shoot and all that and then now for for one week we've been in full group training so right. you can imagine we only have like 14 days to prepare for a game which is not a lot no no and then tested regularly tested once a week yeah um right. coronavirus tested obviously and expected to isolate like you would in phase one right essentials only and that though like having met no one that's been uh, tested to this point is that a is that a temperature test or a, what is the test for so every day we have to fill out a survey and they'll take your temperature on the way in but the actual coronavirus test is with a cotton bud oh, right. and you'll go around one nostril 10 times and around the other one 10 times there's, right. there's ones that go up higher this one's just like a, a right. mid nasal one which is not bad at all into your brain the uh yeah. do you and again you see are you Again, I think there's a couple of footballers sitting in the UK where they're just not willing to go back. Does that, you know, yeah. what's your feeling? Obviously, the fact you're training, but do you feel, would you prefer not to be doing it or you just, just accept it's a risk you have to take? No, I, I like there's there's two sides to it because, like, I feel like the league's done well and, and the players' union's done well to get, we're in the best case scenario of playing or not playing. Like, if you, you talk about the Premier League, for example, I think that's probably the safest place in the world right now. Like, mm-hmm tested twice a week they're kind of in their own bubble but I'm for playing like I was itching to play it's hard not playing but there's players with families have health conditions or maybe the wife's pregnant which I fully understand why they wouldn't want to play but these young younger pros who have kind of saying oh no I don't want to play the rules or this or that like I really don't understand that because you know money might be less in the future because everyone's impacted economically I, I just feel like if you are fit and available now and you have no um, no family that you're going to affect, I think you, you should be doing everything you can to, to enhance your career. Yeah, right, yeah. And I presume, obviously, you've talked there about moving to different places and, and Brittany Fon, you obviously signed a three-year contract, must have been a, oh, Liverpool squad, uh, a good appeal to... Uh, to uh, I'm a bit behind you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry, I've just ruined it. Uh, no, it's, right. it's good news, though. It's good news. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, signing a three-year contract must be uh, great because you've got that stability. You know, you've pretty much got that stability now for three years in regard to where you live as well. Yeah, definitely. That's why we bought a house. I mean, so to give you an insight into USL contracts a little bit, like obviously the money's not as good as MLS, but the way they make it up is usually you get free housing. So whenever I've played in teams before, they've given me like an apartment and they've paid for it for my contract. So you can either do that or get an equivalent housing stipend. So one of the stipulations I wanted to come here was 
I could get a stipend amount every month. So I could, I mean, I didn't want to bring up a kid living in an apartment complex, get a house, you know, get, get on the, on the market basically. Yeah. Right. Right. And then, you know, looking ahead, the future you mentioned there, perhaps mentally maybe parking MLS to one side. Is that, is that now you're just thought, just play as often as you can, enjoy the game, continue to learn. Coaching, yeah. look at longer once the career comes to the end. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in coaching. So, what alongside playing, I've coached the whole way through, like in America. Frustratingly, football, soccer is like a, it's like a middle to upper class sport. It's super expensive. Right. So, like, we've benefited from that in a way to go out in the coaching world. But I've when I was in Harrisburg, I coached in the academy there, an under-12 girls team, doing some private sessions on the side. Same in Kansas. In Nashville, I just did like comp- completely small group sessions off my own back. And here I'm helping a club as well in uh, the under-15s team and, and doing my badges on the side because I want to be as prepared as possible for when I do stop playing to make the next step because I'd love to coach professionally or be in the technical side, like doing the contracts or recruiting scouting players um, that's definitely what i want to do yeah right and that, uh, when you talk about badges is that similar to what you might see in the uk uh, or europe is the fifa badge? is it would it be a fifa badge is that how it works or is it different there so fifa's two nil huh uh, fifa's, like uh, <laughs> fifa's recognized all over the world because of the organization so you, you fifa uefa so they would count here the american ones wouldn't necessarily count back home so here it's U.S. soccer and it goes A, B, C, D, E. So okay. I'm going to take my C at the end of this year. Right. And then I've done some on, I've done my English level one, which I mean, anyone can do. It's not hard. And then uh, the, I don't know if you ever heard of LMA, League Managers Association. I've done a couple of their courses online as well. It actually, during the lockdown, I got advised to take it. The course was brilliant just to, just to be, you know, proactive, I guess, just to be, to get into that next phase of things. Yeah. And imagine it would help uh, help the game. And I say that because we were chatting at the weekend with some boxers and they were talking about taking courses in training and, and coaching and refereeing, but while they were still boxing, because just to, just to learn additional skills to help them on the, well, obviously in this case, it'd be on the pitch. So yeah. you know, logic often will be, I'll finish the game, start learning the other side of the game, as in the badges, but learning them while you're playing, I, I imagine would only only a way of, you know, helping football or give you another perspective on things. Yeah, definitely. You can you can understand it from the coaches and managers perspective a bit more as well. But like nowadays in like so every week we'll have like two video sessions, one to like review the last game, one to review the next game. So you're involved naturally anyway in a lot of tactical discussion and understanding it so you may as well put it to use you know while it's it's fresh and, and you're in the game as well and you can always give your perspective and look you can always learn more just because you're playing it doesn't mean you're a good coach but it, I definitely I think gives you an advantage because you you know there'll be a lot of coaches out there who have done their UEFA but have never been in a full-time football environment likewise yeah. there'll be players who have never done a coaching badge you're in it so you know there's a definitely a crossover there yeah right right yeah and I guess Ultimately, if you where you know wherever you end playing your career, that that coaching might end up taking you around the world, would it? Or would you always think you'd want to stay with the wife being American in America? Or you open no, to? Definitely, I'd be open. Even I've always said playing. If, if the opportunity came in the UK, um, 
if it was right, I wouldn't just go for the sake of it. But if it was right, I would definitely do it. I feel like because I can always come back. Yeah, here, yeah. I've kind of made my, my stable here. You know, I've gone through college. I've played a lot of professional here, so yeah. I'd be honestly open to anything, playing, coaching. But I'm I'm happy here at the minute. Obviously, I'm on a, a in the second year of a three year deal. So yeah, yeah, that first year, sorry, first year. Yeah, and how often do you how often do you get home? Just nowadays, only every Christmas. Um, last year, I came home just before Christmas for a couple of weeks because Ollie was due in January. Obviously, didn't want to come home too soon, and we were all aiming to come home this Christmas. But the way America is with the virus, I don't know if I'll be allowed anywhere near the Isle of Man because obviously the Isle of Man's almost completed it. Yeah, well, they have yeah, yeah. completed. It, so. Yeah, you're so last year. We're so we're so in the future. <laughs> yeah, to to no, your coffin. Coffin. Yeah. It's the Almond's in a luxury place now, and, and then obviously they've got tough decisions down the line what they do with the borders. I mean, I'd love to be able to come at Christmas, but I just don't know if it'll be possible. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to think the Ireland would there'd be some ability to get in, but it's more whether you could get out of the States. That, that I know. Be. Yeah. Well, you know, they say there's travel bans and no flights going, but if you actually look at Flight Tracker or look to book a flight, there's flights all over the world. It's yeah, yeah, I think it's more of a discouragement to to stop you from from traveling. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. But I think that yeah, the hard thing's been my mum and dad were meant to come over two or three times this year, obviously to see Ollie. Yeah, and they've not been able to do that because of the restrictions. So, yeah. hopefully, hopefully we can they can at least travel over here at some point so so they can see him. Yeah, yeah. and just one one final question in regards to just again agents is that. Where you're, the agent you have, is that something, again, the college help you find an agent? How does that initially start out? So it's probably a theme of me getting on. I'm actually on to my third agent, but I think I'll be with this guy till till I retire or or even even into my coaching. Just like it's, it's such a tough decision coming out of college because, again, at, at the draft, there's agents down there and they're ringing you and asking you, have you got an agent, blah, 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 and then, it's, it's a tough decision which one to go with. And originally I went with an agent who didn't have many clients because he could focus on me more. And you, we just weren't getting, I didn't think we were getting things done as well as we could. Yeah. And then I went with a massive company who tried to get me out of college. And then you just one small fish in a massive, they've had premier league players and um, players from all over the world. And now I'm with a guy who specializes in my league and a bit of MLS who's, He's smaller but big at all levels, so he's just yeah. like connected with everyone, clued in, um, and he he's he's like a friend now too. So it makes it things a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, that relationship with the agent must be so important because ultimately you're trying to tell him what you what you're looking yeah. for, what you want to achieve, and he's you know. Yeah, I mean, and now I've done an, enough contracts myself. Like you, you know the ins and outs now. You know what you're looking for and stuff, but if a team wants you and you want to go there, there's always hard talks and battles over monies and, and other little things, but you can get awkward. So you do need a middleman at times. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Yeah. No, couldn't agree more. The, uh, and I guess the other thing, which I know how we first got in touch was with, with Christian doing, yeah. I mean, you Christian's age. No, no. Christian's like quite a bit older than me. He probably looks younger than me. Actually. He looks about 21, doesn't he? But yeah. I've uh, I just I've known him for years just because when I was coming through in the soccer schools and stuff in the summer he'd be coaching, right? And then him, him and my dad have kind of been friends throughout the years just through cycling, and we've always just kept in touch. Like we'll go for a coffee when I'm home, and yeah. he's just one of them likable characters too, isn't he? You know, yeah, isn't he just yeah, yeah. And so 
Yeah. Yeah, but about, he's good for advice too because obviously you know he's had his struggles he's been in professional sport out of it so um yeah he's a, he's a good person to to talk to yeah no he is he is and uh obviously some of the some of the celebrity videos that went around i think ultimately the the ball got rolling with a couple that you you kindly saw through uh the guys you know i know t- uh tim howard's uh you're uh, with you guys is he general manager there now yeah, he's general manager and goalkeeper, so... Oh, right, OK. Yeah, it's kind of a weird mix. Probably, you know, unique to American sports, but it's it's actually been good to have that because he's uh, he does separate both roles and he did make that clear. Yeah, right. And then, obviously, it's good for us to have him in goal behind us and then um, and then he's obviously in the front office being a sporting director as well. And then he brought Jose Baxter over, who was at Everton for years as well, so... Yeah, I imagine... They had a lot of contacts to help the videos right yeah and yeah and it's obviously for you playing experience wise to have someone with that type of experience to ultimately be behind you and i guess helping because every day is a learning day isn't it yeah definitely and he's he's 41 now so obviously he's not as quick as he used to be but just in terms of like technique information and how vocal he is like to have him behind you every every he doesn't train every day obviously because of his age but in the games is definitely an advantage and it's a good experience i had a similar experience in nashville we had a goalkeeper called matt pickens he was 37 mls 10 years definitely improves your game as well yeah 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 no that's good that's good well thanks for coming on yeah, uh, yeah thanks for having me yeah no a pleasure good to chat just uh other yeah. sport what other sport what other american sports you follow just as my final question i i do like Basketball, watching now and again. I, I like watching LeBron James or um, Golden State with Steph Curry and them. Yeah, right. Baseball, hate baseball. Right. family's big into it. It's just too slow and boring for me. Football's okay. I never fully got into it, but um, big golf fan as well. I like to play oh, golf, right. like to watch golf. So You play golf as well, did you say then? I, yeah, I do. I, I uh, used to have a handicap on that on the Isle Man and try and get out when I can over here, but it's like a double-edged sword in america the courses are unbelievable and it's great to play but it's so hot that sometimes you're just like it's not even worth it yeah yeah well like we said just before we came on air that man's skin won't work out out there and no, no. no. especially with no hair <laughs> that's why we've all got caps <laughs> yeah caps on yeah, cool all right thanks for joining us it's been much appreciated yeah, yeah. thanks guys yeah. the american side of things as well mm. yeah definitely yeah keep going i enjoy listening to it it's it's good cheers thanks do you want yeah. to check it out, Matty? Yeah. So wherever you're, wherever you're listening to, uh, please like, subscribe, share, and leave those five-star reviews, pretty please. Um, on social media, Facebook, we are M-Word Podcast. Twitter, Max Sports Pod. And on Instagram, we are the M-Word IOM. Cheers, Matty. Thanks a few sexy people for letting us get into your ears. It's word out from Mon. And word out from Matt.